Well, a happy Palm Sunday to everybody. Great to see your smiling faces. You know, we are currently in the middle of Lent. Who knows what Lent means? What do you think? Yeah. Right, so it's the 46 days, actually, they 46 days prior to Easter. But the word actually um, speaks of springtime. I wasn't aware of that. Think of springtime. How many love springtime in Minnesota? Watching the ice go off the lakes, watching the green grass come back. Um, I saw, I went by a garden, and there were tulips coming up. I'm like, it's springtime, and we love that sense of springtime. So when I think of Lent, I don't always think of springtime. Um, because Lent is during springtime, but Lent is a time of personal reflection. And it's known it, traditionally in the church through the ages, it's been a time of lament and penitence. And you may go, well, hey, pastor, that sounds cheery. What a great cheer. And today is not a cheery sermon, but it is a two-part because to fully celebrate what we're getting ready to celebrate on Easter, to fully celebrate the risen Lord, there's a preparation of our heart to be ready for that. I think of like getting ready for a wedding. It's not just the day of the wedding. It's all that goes into preparing months sometimes of getting ready and the anticipation of the big day. Well, we want to do that as we prepare for the big day of Easter. As we prepare our hearts to celebrate the risen Lord, Lent is a time to prepare ourselves with inner reflection and looking into our hearts to see where we need to be cleansed, where God wants to come and clean us. And so Lent is a time of which we're in the middle of right now, of lament and of penitence. Um, and one of the things we do in that is we remember that what this week was like for Christ. I can only imagine the Christ coming into Jerusalem with all the crowd shouting. If you've ever been in a crowd, I mean, no social distancing, right? The crowds are just pressing together and they're, they're shaking, screaming, shouting Hosanna. And as Jesus is receiving the glory and the praise due his name, there must have also been that angst that, yeah, today's great, but I know what's coming. I know what's just, he knew what was right around the corner. He knew that his death and sacrifice would soon follow. So Christ, as we look to this week, it's good for us to think back on the, the pain. I, I remember watching The Passion. I've had people say, you've seen The Passion of the Christ? Beautiful, harsh, as realistic as it could be made of what Christ suffered for us. And it's, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch that and not turn away. Because it's painful to see all that Christ suffered for us. But yet it's important for us to face it and to look at that and to recognize the reality 
and the cost, the terrible cost of sin. And so this is a season, and we're in the last week of that, of time of lament and penitence. And may I say that although it's not a cheery topic, it's an extremely important topic because repentance opens the door for the celebration. Repentance is the pathway for cleansing. And when we're cleansed, then it gives us, I mean, what greater thing is there in life than when God has set you free, when God has cleansed you from sin, and then we can worship Christ for who he is. We can worship him for what he's done. And there's that celebration that comes after our time of cleansing and repentance. Listen to what Peter said when he was addressing the crowd after after Pentecost. The crowds gathered, and it says in Luke 2.38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he started off his message with, repent, this is good news. Normally when I hear repent, I, I don't think, well, yeah, great news, I get to repent. That isn't normally how I respond, but maybe I should. Because repentance is the pathway for intimacy with Christ. Repentance is that pathway to be cleansed of sin. And let's make it clear, all of us need forgiveness. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I think understanding that, understanding that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short, one thing it does is it gives us a great love for Christ, for the forgiveness that he gives us, but it also should bring us in humility in how we relate to each other, how we relate when someone else is in sin, when someone else has fallen, when someone else's flesh is shouting that we don't, we're not quick to condemn because our humility says, yeah, me too. We've all sinned. And we can show the grace and the mercy of God to others. And so that repentance is a good thing. And that's what Peter started out by saying, repent and be baptized. It opens the door not simply to relationship with Christ, but the filling of the Holy Spirit. We love and cherish the work of the Holy Spirit among us here at City Hill. And part of that comes as we repent and humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need you. I think a great prayer for us, a great prayer any day when you look into what to pray, a good prayer to start off with is, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. If we ever start off like, well, you know, Lord, I'm thinking about some things, we try to negotiate with God, not good. I don't think God negotiates very well. Much better to come in and say, Lord, I need you. Anything good that comes from me comes by your spirit flowing in me. We come to God in humility and in repentance. Last week, Brian Duber gave an excellent message on prayer. It's fun when you hear people talking about the message throughout the week. Heard some different comments about God, how God had spoken to people through that message. 
and that our lives as Christians must be lives of prayer. And there's all kinds of prayer. There's, we're not going to restate his sermon, but there's all kinds of prayer that God gives us. There's prayers when you're driving down the road. There's prayers when you're on your face before the Lord. There's prayer when you're in your bed. There's prayer, all kinds of prayer. But our lives need to be lives of prayer, communion with God. A life without prayer is, is like a marriage without communication. Not very good. We need to communicate. We need to talk in our marriages. And that relationship with God, prayer, is that communication with him. And the message was that prayer fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit and then enables us to proclaim the good news. We need to be people of prayer. And in lament, in this time of repentance, one of the things that traditionally is done, which are good, solid truths, is to fast and pray to fast and pray. You know, fasting is not easy for me. I don't know, some people just love to fast. I'm not one of those. And I think for most of us, anybody here like to eat? You know, pretty much. We all, pretty much we all like to eat. And I, confession, I like my snacks. Um, I'm not just your three-meal uh uh, a day kind of guy. I like my snacks, and, I, and I, I've kind of got my snacking routine down. And when I fast, you know, I'll reach for that, those chips, or I'll reach for those carrots if I'm being a healthier snacker. And I reach, and I like, no, I'm fasting. And so I've asked the Lord, one of the things I've asked is that when I fast, that I would also pray, because you ever had a time where you fasted, but you didn't have time to pray? It's like, well, that's kind of a waste, right? I mean, if you're going to go without food, you ought to pray. And so when I find those hunger urges, those snack urges to go to the cupboard, to get something, I go, no, I've dedicated today to fast and pray. And I take those moments to stop, and I pray. And I'm reminded to pray because I'm hungry, Right? It's one of the good things. You're reminded, oh yes, I'm taken today to fast, to seek the Lord. And somebody's asked me, you know, what do you do? Well, I start by giving thanks. I think it's great when we pray to give thanks. It's always a good place to start because my tendency would be to start by asking the things that I want. But it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's why this morning was beautiful. We began by worshiping hosanna in the highest so i start by giving thanks and just thanking the lord for his incredible blessings in our lives and that's one of the things that's good to be among people who aren't as blessed it's good to be it's one of the reasons i love the mission trips overseas because our world changes when we see people who live very differently and who don't have the basic things that we take for granted thanking God for his blessings upon our life, thanking him for this church. I pray for you. I know many of the needs as pastor and just involved with lives. I know many of the things that people are suffering here. And there are some people who are going through some really hard times. And as those come to mind and as I have a list, I'll pray for different people in the church. I pray for the church here. I pray that God will bless City Hill, that he'll provide for us, that he'll bring salvations. One of my heart passions is that we'd see many salvations come through this church. We've seen some. I want to see more. Are you with me? 
Pray that, that God will just be bringing people through the door. I'd love to see people come through the door and get saved before they get into church as they experience the power of God. I, I know people who have talked about that, and I want to see people get saved. So next Sunday is an opportunity. It's one of those windows where you can invite people that may not normally come to church. Let's believe God to bring people here. You know, you don't need to come to church to get saved. You can get saved your front yard. You can get saved on the radio. You can get saved in your car. There's lots of different places that God will save people. One of those options is to bring people to say, hey, we're going to have a great Easter service. You want to come join us? Invite people to come. We're believing God. So I'm praying, God, you meet people. I will tell you something that I don't think. I don't think that I can save people. I don't think that I have the ability to change hearts. I do think that the word of God has the ability to touch people's lives. And I do believe that God wants people to come to know him and to love him and to serve him. And so I'm believing for salvations next Sunday morning. As you pray, pray with me on that, that God will bring people and God will meet people right where they are. So we pray for, I pray for the ministry partners all over the world. Fast and pray is part of what we do in this week of Lent, is that we focus on, on fasting and prayer. And, so that, and then one of the things they do a lot is they fast on Fridays. Some of this is church tradition. And by the way, the word Lent and the concept of Lent is nowhere in the Bible, right? You can look for it, you're not going to find it. That concept is not there, but, the, but that which they honor and which fasting is in, in the word, prayer is in the word, Repentance is in the word, and so it's a time to focus on these very key concepts. And Friday is a time I'm going to be fasting Friday, and I invite you just as a church to join me on that, that we'd fast on Good Friday. It's a day of recognizing the incredible sacrifice of our Lord, what he went through for us. And so I just invite you to make that we'd make Friday a day of prayer and fasting as a church, and let the Lord minister and speak to us in those times. Another word central to Lent is penitence. It's not a word that's very common, isn't it? You ever heard that word? Someone say, well, penitence, I think. I was trying to think of the last time I'd heard that word or a derivative of that. And I came up with Indiana Jones. <laughs> and that goes back a ways. This is, this is the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Who knows this phrase I'm about to say. He's, he's, going through the, he's going through that tunnel and he's got some kind of clues and he says, only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent man shall pass. Only the penitent. And he's trying to think and then he gets it and he drops to his knees and that blade goes flying over his head. Because the penitent man would be down on his knees, low. It saves his head in that booby-trapped cave and on he goes. Outside of that movie, I can't think of hearing the word penitence. I'm sure it's somewhere, but I, it, it comes from that word repentance, and it's not just that that word is a bit archaic. It's that the concept is archaic. The concept doesn't fit our culture. And I was thinking, what do we do instead of repenting? By our human nature, what is it we do instead of that? 
And actually, none of these things are good, but sometimes it's good to see what we do in place of what God would call us to do. One is we blame. Now, blame you can find everywhere. So I just thought, I just opened up the news, and the first article I saw, and I'll be careful here, it's political, but I hear Trump saying the border crisis is all Biden's fault. Blame. And the next article is Biden saying, the border crisis is all Trump's fault. Blame. Now, we're not talking about the border crisis right here. I'm not going to talk about, I'm saying just, it's this. And these are our national leaders. Then there's us, and then there's our children. We see that whole sense of blame. That comes naturally. Blame, blame, blame. Another thing we do is we make excuses. Well, you know, um, it's, I don't know whose fault it is, but it's sure not mine. So I studied counseling in school a number of years ago, and I realized that one of the differences between secular counseling and Christian counseling was with this whole issue of excuses and blaming. And secular counseling tended to be, this is, this is non-Christian counseling, would say, you have pain, it's certainly not your fault in any sense. So we need to find out whose fault it is so you can blame them so you have an excuse for why you live as you do. Now that is not the best. There is some good secular counseling. Please hear me. But in that sense, I was like, that doesn't get you very far. That doesn't get you great healing to say, well, really, it's all society's fault or it's all my parents' fault. Or it's all, and you blame somebody and you live in that, now I can make excuses for living the way I live. I've just never seen that be highly effective. We make excuses. We say it's somebody's fault, and I don't know whose, but it sure isn't mine. Number three, we like to hide. I think one of the things we do is we just want to hide and blur out the pain, blur out our guilt, and occupy ourselves in busyness. I have an iPhone. I like my phone. I spend time on my phone, probably too much time. I'm not a surfer on the phone as much, but I'm certainly guilty of filling time in grocery store lines or somewhere you're bored, you're in the airport, you pull out your phone. And it fills time. But sometimes that filling of time is to avoid the pain, to avoid the guilt, to avoid things that, are, that we don't want to deal with. And that's one of the ways we deal with our sin. Another way we do it is this victim card. And I just want to challenge us again. When you see yourself playing the victim card, don't. It never brings life. To say, I am the victim here, therefore I am entitled to whatever, and people owe me, and, I, and you play that card, I've never seen that result in a happy life. I've never seen that result in a successful life. I've never seen that. Now, hear me. 
Has, have people done bad things that have hurt you? I'm sure they have. Are there excuses for them? No. Besides a broken, sinful world. But the Bible, if anything, is a Bible, scriptures that tell us that we can be victorious in the middle of hardship. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Where's the victim card there? Um, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You say, well, they weren't going through what I'm going through. Oh, no? You ever read what these Christians went through? Their martyrdom, their persecution, the, the horrible suffering. I mean, 11 of the disciples, uh, they believe, were martyred. And John was sent off to Patmos. I mean, these were not disciples that didn't know hard times. And yet they write of the victory that we have in Christ. And we just have to just say, when you find yourself, I mean, we all do that, right? We go, oh, yeah, but we feel bad for ourselves. Just pull out the word of God. Say, I'm not going to play that card. That's not where we find the abundant life that God has for us. One more. We... And this is maybe the worst way that we deal with things instead of repenting, is we celebrate our sin. Say, well, what are you talking about here? Um, I see more and more in our world how instead of repenting for sin, we decide to celebrate it and call, call it good. Um, my current illustration would be, many of you might know that I went to college in Oklahoma. I attended Oral Roberts University. And Oral Roberts University recently got a lot of fame because they were in the Sweet 16. And this little school, 4,000 Christians, evangelical Christian school, they were playing against the big dogs. They were playing against the massive, the big schools, and so they were the Cinderella team, and they beat Ohio State. They beat the Florida Gators. Nobody thought they could. They were a 15th seed, and they were doing great. And they lost last night in a heartbreaker, and I'm still sad. <laughs> um, but they, here's this Christian school that all of a sudden was in the major news. I mean, you haven't heard of them for years, but now they, they were out there. And I just watched... So I have a love for the school. It's my alma mater. I know the school personally. I know where they're at. They are an evangelical school that hold to standard biblical practices. They're not a bunch of crazies. They're not a bunch of... They're us. They're us. And one of their stances is they hold to a biblical understanding of marriage that marriage is between one man and one woman according to the word of God. And this is what was said about them in USA Today. They were called deeply bigoted, discriminatory, hate hateful, a hotbed of institutional transphobia, homophobia with regressive sexist policies and should be banned from the NCAA tournament. And their sin is... They're holding to a biblical understanding of marriage, which we hold to at this church. 
And I thought of the accusations, and I thought, you know, nowhere would they teach hatred or bigotry or lack of tolerance or kindness for those who would have very different worldviews. It's never taught. It's never encouraged. But all of this is said, attacking them, wanting to ban them from the big dance, the NCAA tournament. And I thought, wow, their good is being spoken evil of, and the evil is being spoken good of. And we'll go down those paths. I, I hesitated to even bring up the topic because it opens a whole bunch of doors, which we're not going down today, which we will go down on a different day. But I just thought of that scripture that says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And what I want to say is when we speak of sin, when we speak of re repent repentance, we're going against our culture. We're going against our human flesh. We're going against the ways that we are would tend to go as humans Repentance is a different direction, and it is a gift. And if there's anything I want us to go home with today, is that repentance is a gift of God to you. It's a gift. It's not, oh, dang, the pastor's beating on us today, calling me a sinner. No, that's not it. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. So, let, okay, let, so yeah, I guess I am, all right? Um, we are. And I'm very aware of my own failings, very aware of where we fall short. And repentance is God's gift to us. We're coming into the, what they call Holy Week. We're coming into celebrating Christ's death and resurrection so that we could be free from the consequences and from the guilt and the shame of our sins. And so repentance is, here's a tool, here's a pathway to get free. And that's why I wanted to preach on it today, because I want to encourage us to take the gift not from me, but from the Lord. So how do we repent? How do we repent? There's a couple of different ways, or a couple of different steps that are important. One is you've got to face your sin. You just got to stop and say, I've sinned, Lord. And that's not an easy thing to do sometimes. All these other ways are easier. The smoke screens, the blaming, the excuses, the rationalization. But the first step of repentance is you got to own it. And without excuses. I found that in my marriage, that's also true, that when I messed up, when I sin, what I want to do is, honey, I'm sorry I spoke to you in that tone. But if you wouldn't have, how many know that's a really bad apology? <laughs> the moment you say, but it, you, you, then erases everything you said before the but. Because then now you're saying, I wouldn't have, but here's my rationalization for why I did that and why I'm really not as guilty as you might think I have because it's really your fault which is not repentance. And I've learned in marriage, but also with the Lord, that it is simply saying, I have sinned, and I'm guilty. 
We agree with God because God already knows this. I don't know why it's hard for us to confess it to God when God already knows. It's not like he goes, oh, yeah, hey, I missed that. He knows, but we simply need to call it what it is. We own it. The great example, of course, is David and Bathsheba. And David, when he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, which imagined the drama of Nathan coming to the king, who had the power to chop off his head, and coming and saying, you are the man, confronting the king. And David's response was beautiful. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David had all the list of excuses that we can imagine. David could have said, she was bathing in plain sight. Come on, I'm just a man. David could have said, I'm the king. It's my divine right to have whoever I want. You made me king. He could have called for his privilege. With Uriah, he could have said, well, I didn't actually kill Uriah. I mean, I mean, they threw something. I mean, he was battle, and yeah, I shouldn't have put him up there, but somebody else, because it really wasn't me, he could have tried to justify He didn't actually, with his sword, kill Uriah, but he killed Uriah. And he knew it. And God knew it. But David didn't do any of that. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. And I would encourage you as you, as the Lord brings conviction of sin, don't just get beat up. God is not about beating you up. He's about setting you free. And conviction, when it comes, is not so you can just cower and say what a horrible person you know that that's not where god's going with this he wants to bring conviction so you can say i have sinned against the lord step one and then i think the second step i believe is to bring it make it more personal to the lord i've sinned against you god of course your sin is also against people david had sinned against bathsheba sinned against uriah But over all of that was also his sin against the Lord. God had set David in a position to be the king over his people, Israel. And David had taken that and acted unrighteously. So David takes it down to the end and says, I have sinned against you. And then, they talk, then we talk about the third step, which I would call lament. It's good to lament. It's good to repent, to say you're sorry. I, uh, when my son called me one day, I love my boys, my son called me and said, uh, Dad, you know, Lexi's really mad at me. Josh will probably hear this online. He's probably watching now. Uh, he said, Lexi's really mad at me. I go, why? He goes, well, I got really mad and I swore at her. I said, so you really messed up. Yeah, big time. I go, she knows it, I know it, you know it. Just grovel. <laughs> He's like, really? I go, yeah, yeah, just, you're an idiot. Now we all know it, just say it. And she's a good lady. And so he said, oh, okay, thanks, Dad. Called me back later. He says, oh, yeah, it was great. She, it, she's like, well, yeah, and she was ready to forgive. But he had to just say, he said, no buts, no, but if you wouldn't, just say, I really blew it, and I'm really sorry. He said, it'll go a long way. 
And it went a long way. And he's, everything, she's like, all right, yeah, cool. And, and she was just free to, it's so much easier to forgive somebody who's repenting, right? I mean, we have to forgive people, little side topic, we got to forgive people who aren't sorry. There are people who have hurt me that don't care and don't, maybe they don't even know and they aren't sorry. In fact, maybe they'd do it again if they could. And I have to forgive them. That's harder. Because I want to be the teacher and let them know, you know. I, God's anointed me to teach them. And I'm called to forgive. How much easier when someone comes. And for the Lord, he calls us to repent. To say, I'm sorry, I have sinned. And stop with the excuses. In the Old Testament, what they would do to lament, they would put on sackcloth. Think of a gunny sack. How would you like to wear that this week? Picture one of those rough burlap saps, sacks, cut a little hole in it, little arms, but wear a gunny sack. You know, it, it scratched, it itched. It was one little thing to say, this, I'm, something's really wrong here. And then they would cover their head with ashes and sit in the ground. I mean, they probably looked really miserable. And they probably were. But I want to say here that when we talk about lamenting, I'm not saying get a gunny sack and get some ash from your fire. I am saying repenting before the Lord. But there's a level of repenting that can be, I would say, wrong theologically or even sinful, where penitence becomes penance. And there's a difference in those words. Obviously a similar root. But the penance is where you feel that you need to earn the forgiveness of God by suffering. Praise God we don't have to do that. And I've seen people who take this, I mean, some people have a hard time repenting. I get that. There are other people that need the other side of this message, which is like, stop beating yourself. Stop getting a whip and whipping your back and head down and, and I can never do anything for Jesus and I'm just going to beat myself because I'm such a horrible, rotten person and you go through life beating yourself and the Lord would say, stop it. Jesus paid for our sins and we don't have to be crucified. Again, if you had to pay for all your sins, why did Christ die? What did he die for? He died to pay for our sins. So there is a repentance that's needed, but not a flagellation, not a beating yourself over and over that somehow if you suffer enough that your suffering will balance out your sin. It won't. And if you've ever seen the movie, gosh, I just blanked on it. Um, in Brazil, the priests... Um, the Mission, thank you very much. The movie The Mission, you see that his sin was great, and he, it's a gorgeous movie. It's one of my favorite movies. But he tried to carry his armor all the way up the waterfalls, suffering greatly to pay for his sins. And I thought, in that part of the movie, that isn't what Christ calls us to. He doesn't call us to beat and harm ourselves in order to pay for our sins. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
That's the beauty of the gospel. Somebody said, the story is just too good to believe. And I said, well, it is a very good story, but you've got to believe it. That Jesus died for our sins, so we don't have to pay that price. But there's a repentance that needed, that's needed. And then, and I want to close with this and have the worship team come up. When you have repented, when you have faced your sin and you've said, God, I'm guilty. I stand before you. I'm guilty. I'm not making excuses. I've sinned. I'm sorry for my sin. Then what? And then I just want to say, receive the forgiveness and the cleansing of God. Isn't that beautiful? Receive the forgiveness of sins. And you can say, yeah, but I, I've repeated this sin. I know, and God's forgiveness is greater. I've known people who've said, I can forgive others, but I just can't forgive myself. I want to challenge you if you say that. If you're saying, I just can't forgive myself. I knew better. I did it anyway. I'm guilty. I would say, yes, you are. Receive the forgiveness and the cleansing of Christ. And when you just can't forgive myself, really what you're saying, maybe you don't mean to, but really what you're saying is, my sin is greater than the sacrifice of Christ at Calvary. God can forgive a lot of sins, but not this one. Not this. This is too big for the forgiveness of God. And Christ would say, there's nothing, nothing that is beyond the forgiveness of Christ. And so I think the next step when we repent it is we need to then walk in the truth of the word of God. Walk in the truth. And I just want to minister a couple verses over us today. And I think there's, a, there's many, many verses, but I've just picked out three today that I would encourage you to take these verses and any other verses the Lord would use in your life and Speak them out loud. Not just reading quietly. Speak them out loud. Multiple times. And let the truth of the word of God drop into your soul. Meditate on them. Personalize them. Make them yours. I just want to do that over you today as we move towards a close here. 1 John 1, 9. Just close your eyes and open your hands before the Lord and let the Lord minister the truth of his word to you today. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, I thank you that as I confess my sin, God, I thank you for your faithfulness and that, God, your justice, you paid the price for me, Lord. And you are just and faithful to forgive me of my sins. And you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Not part, not a good amount, but all unrighteousness. You, you cleanse me, Lord. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word. That as I confess my sins, Lord, you are anxious and ready to forgive. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So, Father, my forgiveness, Jesus, my forgiveness is in you, in you, not by my own strength or righteousness, but in you I have forgiveness, redemption, because your blood has paid the price for my sin. Thank you, Jesus. In Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. God, thank you that you don't hold our sins over our heads. You don't hold them to throw back at us at a later date, but Lord, you separate them far, far from us, as far as can be imagined. How great is your forgiveness, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the depth and the power of the forgiveness that we have through the blood of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that today, that God, even as we, as we take some time to be sober, to fast, to open our hearts before you, that, God, you would convict us of sin. And that that repentance that you would bring would be the pathway to cleansing, to forgiveness, and for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Repentance brings forgiveness and cleansing from sin. It is a gift that the Lord brings and gives to us. Let's take that gift from him this week. As we pray, as we seek him, as we prepare for a glorious Easter celebration next Sunday morning. I want to uh, just read a scripture, if we could all stand. I'd like to read a scripture together as our closing prayer. My prayer is that this scripture will be a scripture dear to your heart all this week. Let's, can we get that on there, which is Psalm 139. Let's speak it out loud together, okay? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. One more time, let's say a little louder. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be a wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, thank you that we can bring our hearts to you. Search us, cleanse us, Prepare us, Lord, to celebrate the death and the incredible resurrection of Christ this coming Sunday. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to be together. If you're a visitor, come greet me at the desk right by the doors going out. If you'd like someone to pray with you, seek the Lord with you, right over here in our prayer room. Steve's over there. Have a great Holy Week, folks. We'll see you next Friday.